Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 11th chapter. Hallelujah. I felt last week, I think it was Monday, um, I, I felt in my heart, a stirring in my heart to, just to revive our knowledge of the faith of God. It revive our knowledge and what it means to trust God. What it means to wholeheartedly trust him, especially in times of great trouble, in times of adversity. And I think sometimes we have preachers have painted a picture that we're some, some, for some reason supposed to have uh, you know, supposed to have some kind of uh, perfect heaven setting on earth. And yeah, we can have glimpses of heaven on earth, but you and I can't imagine the glories that await us, praise God, once we shut off this, this um, Adamic nature and enter into the fullness of our redemption. <clears throat> but anyway, God began to speak to me, and I, I'm entitling this series, how, uh, how, excuse me, Now Faith Is. Uh, he, because the Hebrews 11 says it, and we'll read that in a second. Now faith is. That's what we're going to teach on. I'm not sure how long we'll teach on it because, you know, uh, we uh, at one point have to head back down south for, uh, to have uh, um, some, have Vicki's checkup from her surgery. Uh, but we'll, we're going to get as far as we can. Don't miss Wednesday nights. Know what you believe. It's so important when you step into a church setting to know what, what the, what the uh, doctrine of the church is. And uh, I promise you, we don't, we don't have a, there's some, you know, doctrines that have underlying doctrines on top, or underlying, do, under the doctrine. But we, we take, simply endeavor to take what God has shown us from the scriptures and re- reveal them to you. Amen. And, and, and isn't that interesting that there's a risk factor though? A risk factor in that? Why is that? Because God uses human beings. And, and, and in our imperfections, he's able to perfect that which concerns him in regards to what he wants to reveal to you as a Christian. But we know that faith is important. So we're going to be discussing how faith, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, was required. We'll see this as we go on. We're going to talk about how the Bible defines faith, why faith is required of both the believer and the unbeliever. And finally, we'll witness what faith looks like in action. So Hebrews 11.1, let's begin there. This is the King James. So what is faith? It says, now faith is the substance. That, that word substance literally means the under support. Now, faith is the under support or the concrete essence. I mean, I mean if, you want to, if you want to touch heaven, it requires faith. If you want to get God's attention, it requires faith on your part. That's how you tap into the spirit realm. Amen. We'll go on. Uh, faith is the substance, the concrete essence of things hoped for, the evidence or the proof of things not seen. Let me read the New Living Translation. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. This is referring to the unseen spiritual promises of God. So when you drive down the street and you see that gas has gone up to $4.09 a gallon, you say, Abba, Father, I give you so much praise that you are the God who's more than enough and you'll provide for me. You'll take care of me. Come on, everybody. What you're doing is you're decreeing what you're believing. You're decreeing what you're believing. Amen. Amen. Because that, that's what uh, God, the Bible says, he sent his word. Uh, well, the, I'm thinking of, uh, that's Psalms 107 probably. Isaiah 55, it says, as the rain comes down from heaven and the snow, it doesn't return into heaven, but it does what its purpose is. It's to water the earth. Why? So they can give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Seed to the sower and bread to the eater. When you go down the street and you say, Father, I thank you that you are greater than $4 a gallon gas. Hallelujah. Amen. And I give you praise right now that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Come on, everybody. See, that is that you're scattering the seeds of his promise out of your mouth, praise God, and with faith in your heart. And guess what? It will come to fruition. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. So, New Living Translation, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Verse 6, but without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. That he is what? 
that he's bigger than $4 a gallon gas. Hallelujah. Amen. That he's bigger than the crisis you're facing right now in your life. Amen. He's bigger. Say, God is bigger. And so that's what he's saying. Faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. He's what? That he is what you're coming to him for. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. What a great promise. I said, what a great promise. So as we journey through this earth life, God, in his great love, provided everything that we would ever need, both spiritually and naturally. Hallelujah. However, every promise he's given, listen, originates in the spirit realm or the unseen realm. So for you to get it from the unseen to the seen, it requires faith on your part. Ah, oh, this is good stuff. Praise God. Let me read the, the Passion Translation. I've really been really quite enjoying some of the translations of this of the passion. Now, this is verse one. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation. Say the foundation. foundation. I immediately thought of Luke, the sixth chapter. You know, the guy who built his house on a firm foundation when the storms uh, attacked that house, it couldn't prevail against the house. Amen. And so, it, <clears throat> faith brings our hopes into reality, becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things, the things, whether they're spiritual or natural, we, uh, the things we long for. Now, it, faith, is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Faith is all that's required to prove what is unseen. What does that mean? Well, right now, it's, it, right now you, you, it's unseen that your needs are being met. You can't see your needs met. You see these bills. How are we going to meet these? How are we going to take care of this? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hallelujah. Amen. I love this translation. He, he says, it, it, it is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Watch this. The testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Now look at verse three. Faith empowers us to see. Faith empowers us to see. Say that out loud. Faith empowers us to see. Yeah, it does. Empowers us to see what? That the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo! Glory to God. Why is faith important? Because you weren't there during creation. You weren't there. So what do you do? You accept it by faith. Can I have an amen? You weren't there when Moses led the children of Israel through the, through the Red Sea. And, 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 and to the promise, you weren't there, but you believe it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Faith become the substance of things hoped for. And the same with Jesus. You weren't there when he died and rose from the dead, but you believe it, and it changed your life. Hallelujah. Amen. You have to understand as a, as a, as a, Remember, we're three-part, we're three-dimensional. We are spirit beings made in the image of God. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in an earth suit that we got from mom and dad. If mom and dad would have been better looking, I would have been better looking. <laughs> but I, this is what I have. And in spite of it all, Vicky still loves me. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. She calls me her hunkin', hunkin', burning love. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I think it's more like his chunkin', chunkin' burn of love. I mean, this suit actually, it shrunk. That's what happened. Oh, amen. I better go on so I don't get in trouble. Hallelujah. So he spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. So why is faith required? Because... There's no way that you can tap into what God promised you without it. All the good things that God's promised you, faith will be required on your part. You have to understand who your God is. Government isn't your God. The Dem- Republicans and Democrats aren't your God. The economic situation is not your God. God is God. Hallelujah. Amen. He is. is. And so you have to get that in your heart. 
that if gas went to $10 a gallon, God will make a way where there is no way. The worst thing you want to do is get into fear and climb in bed with fear. You stay in faith and God will show himself strong on behalf of those who believe his word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to give you two examples where God used his faith and his confession in the very beginning of time. I'm talking about in Genesis, the first chapter. When he confronted, listen to this, it's so good. When God confronted darkness in Genesis 1-2, we know what he didn't say. What he didn't say was, wow, deity, we must be living in the last days. It's getting so dark out there. He didn't say that. See, all times, that is one of our favorite phrases. Oh, my God, we must be in the last days, you know, because the way things are. The last days started in the book of Acts. So we know for sure we're in the last days <laughs> because it started in the book of Acts. Amen. Now, we know things intensify with, you know, every generation. Listen, every generation, every nation or every nation, uh, um, every generation of any nation that moves away from God, obviously, it's going to get darker. Can I have an amen? But the one thing we can be encouraged about is this. God has always had a remnant of people. He's always had a, I don't care if it's a small gathering of people. He's always had a people that are committed to him and stay in faith for the, for the sake of the whole world. Amen. amen. So we might as well be those people. Stay in faith, not get into fear. So he didn't speak the problem. What did he do? He spoke the promise. And what did he want? Listen, God declared what he desired, which was light, uh, let there be light. And instantly, this is so good, his faith, his faith mixed with his spoken word brought what was impossible to pass, and that is the light dispelled the darkness. He mixed his faith with his confession. Because God wouldn't tell you to do something that he doesn't do. So he declared, let there be light, and guess what? Light came. Amen. The darkness could not hold the light back. It's so good. Then, number two, the moment Adam transgressed God's word, what did God do? He declared what he desired. Genesis 3.15, he said to the serpent, he said to the serpent that the seed of the woman, this is the the living Bible translation, the the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. Amen. And the moment he decreed that, that, it was all over for the devil. It was all over. But listen to me. He stayed in faith. He stayed, he stayed, God stayed in faith for 4,000 years, unwavering faith, when at times it didn't look like he had anybody to stand with him. But he stayed in faith. Took 4,000 years. Abraham, 25 years. Joseph, 13 years. David, 13 years. Moses, 40 years. How long have you been in faith? I mean, that's it. Our, our faith is being put to the test every day. And we can murmur and complain and fall short of God's great blessings, or we can get into faith and watch him perform supernatural things for us. Hallelujah. Amen, because that's what he does best. Can I have an amen? Now turn to Romans, the 10th chapter. We're going to read some out of the King James and, and then different translations. Romans, the 10th chapter. I'm going to try to... Wow, these... Anybody got a gun, I'll shoot that clock. <laughs> it goes by so fast. It goes by, goes by so fast. Um, and, okay, let's read Romans, uh, Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 1. Now, brethren, this is Paul writing, and he's, re- he's referencing the Jews. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, listen, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And I'll say this right up front, even though I'll repeat it. The righteousness of God cannot be obtained through performance. Only through your faith. Okay? Why is this important? Because as a Christian, I have lived much of my life based on performance. That if I perform right, God will be pleased. And then he will bless me. But righteousness is not based on performance. Because God knew we would always fall short. It's based on faith. Faith in the redeeming work 
of Jesus on the cross. Can I have an amen? amen? Let's go on. So, for Christ, watch this, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Believes what? In his death and resurrection. Okay, let's go on. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Now stop for a moment. The only problem was that they couldn't live by them. Because Jesus says if you've broken one command, you've broken all of them. And you stand guilty before God. So it was so frustrating to have a standard set that couldn't be met. Know something? A standard was set that couldn't be met, but God already knew that. What the law was, the law was to be a mirror that would reflect back to the children of Israel that they needed a Savior. Raise your hand if you need a Savior 24-7. Amen. Okay? So that's why he finally fulfilled the law in himself, Jesus, so that you and I could find grace with him. Hallelujah. And live in this earth, uh, uh, live in this earth with his favor and blessing in our lives. Amen. Let's go on. Watch this. <clears throat> but the righteousness which is of faith, the righteousness which is of what? Faith. Which is of faith, speaks on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from the dead. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? What, said, what does righteousness by faith say? It says, the word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen. So the righteousness which is of, uh, God's righteousness said something. It had something to say. Okay. Now, the law had something to say. The law said this. Nah, 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 nah. You can't keep me. It did. I'm going to kill you. Because the law, any breaking of the law was a death sentence. So how frustrating that would be if there was no other way to obtain right standing with God. You, you, you'd have the sentence of death on your life. Amen. So, verse 6 again. The righteousness which is of faith, or which is obtained by one's faith, speaks. It says something. Now watch, watch this. Verse 6. So, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep to bring Christ again up from the dead. Now listen. There were two messages being preached in Paul's day. Number one, the Messiah hadn't come. And number two, there was no such thing as a resurrection. So surely there was no hope for the sinner in the present or the future. Can I have an amen? amen. But these, this is what Paul was dealing with it. So verse eight, so what does the righteousness which is of faith say? Here it is, verse eight. The word is nigh thee, even thy mouth, and in thy heart that is the word of faith which we preach. Amen. So for the word of God to be active and alive in your life, it must be present in two places, in your mouth and in your heart. Pastor Vicky taught on that years ago. It must be in two places, in your heart and in your mouth, in your mouth and in your heart. That's why when Angie cried out, Jesus, man, help was there. I mean, help was there right now. Has she been a blessing to you as a song leader? I mean... And I have told her, even if she's so funny, she's funny in the sense that, you know, to receive a compliment. But I told her, I said, honey, when you sing, I mean, it penetrates the hearts of mom and I. I she, not, praise God, these musicians are anointed, but I'm just making a point. Thank God that that beautiful voice wasn't silenced many years ago. Actually, I think it was like 1998 or 99 when this happened. And, and, and it could have been, but it wasn't. Why? Because she knew the name, which is above every name. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I speak the name of Jesus. We sang about it today. Hallelujah. Thank you, God of heaven. So the word is nigh thee in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. It's the word of faith. It's the word. She was just speaking her faith. Jesus. 
just speaking her faith. And man, he was right there. The angels are right there. I don't know how anybody could roll. She, uh, you have to understand, she rolled her vehicle not only this way, but end over end. And, and, and I mean, this, the vehicle was completely wiped out, and she's sitting on her butt in the slough with only a bruise on her hip. Speak that name of Jesus. Hallelujah. For the, with the heart, man believes under righteousness. You have, to, you have to understand that. With your heart. You can't with your head. You can't with your head. But with your heart, you believe under righteousness. You believe unto right standing with God. How many believe today you have right standing with God? Well, when you lift your hand, you're saying that by faith. Because your, your life or your lifestyle sometimes doesn't line up with that. Why? Because we're in an Adamic body. I'm just, I think, wouldn't it be wonderful if life was like this? One hour every Sunday. Hi, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. Holla, holla. But life isn't that way. Anyway. Oh, maybe it is at your home. Praise God. But I doubt it. Because we're all the same. Romans 10. Real quick. We're doing good here. Romans, the 10th chapter. Now. This is the message translation, so bear with me, because it really is good. Now, the early revelation, say early revelation. Amen. Amen. Now, I added this because this is what it means. The earlier revelation was what? Faith in the blood of a dying lamb. That's how Israel received right standing with God. I just want you to understand that. So, the early revelation which was what? Faith in the blood of a dying lamb so that Israel could have right standing with God. That's what he's talking about, okay? Now, the early revelation was intended simply to get us ready for the Messiah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Every time a lamb died and the blood flowed out of him, the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so every time that blood flowed out of that lamb, it was cruel. Who wants to slit the throat of a precious little lamb for the sake of your sins? But that's the way it was in that day. It required blood. Why? Because Jesus ended up giving his blood, life's blood for you and I, praise God. So, so the earlier revelation was simply intended to get us ready for the Messiah, who then puts everything right for those who trust in him to do it. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it's not easy. (laughs) It's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print. But trusting God, say that. Amen. To shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So So what exactly was Moses saying? The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth and as close as the heart in your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God. It's the word of faith that welcomes God. Do you hear that? Oh, Father, I thank you so much, Lord. I drove by that gas station and I rejoice that you're bigger than $4.09 a gallon. Hallelujah. Right there. Right there, God goes to work on your behalf because you're putting your faith in him. Don't ask me how. He, oh, he's so supernatural. He's so wonderful in how he provides for us. He's so faithful. He's so glorious. He wants to answer your prayer far more than you realize because when he answers your prayer, you have a testimony. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what's so wonderful. He, he, he wants to answer your prayer far more than you realize. He's so good. Let's go on. But trusting God. Oh, let's go on. So uh, Moses, um, you know, okay, it's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God. Say it. Dan, everybody join Dan. Jesus is my master. Did y'all fall asleep? Dan's got it on his laptop. He's doing really good. <laughs> Say it. Jesus is my master. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, now, why should we be encouraged to that? Well, see, in slavery, slavery, 
uh, you know, is something that people talk about today a lot. But slavery, you got, the master was required to take care of his, of his servants. I know there were cruel masters, but Jesus isn't a cruel master. He's a faithful master, a loving master, a gracious master, a patient master. Hallelujah. He's a compassionate master. <laughs> Say it again. Amen. That's what he says. So, God, uh, with your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it out loud. Let's all say it together. God has set, is it up there? What's the next verse? You don't have it? Here it is. Say it. Well, give him praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, this is good, isn't it? See, that puts you at rest. Again, righteousness isn't based on performance. I believe that for so many years, that as long as I do the best I can, then God's pleased with me. Of course he's pleased with you when you have a desire to do what's right. But even when you don't desire to do it right, he still loves you unconditionally and is there to, uh, to help you in any area that you need in your life. Thank you. You're not, you're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. Now that's salvation. So with your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. So scripture reassures us, no one who trusts God like this, heart and soul, will ever regret it. It's exactly the same matter, uh, what a person's religion... Excuse me. It's exactly the same, no matter what a person's religious background may be. The same God for all of us. Acting the same incredibly generous way to everyone who calls out for help. Everyone who calls out, help God gets help. Hallelujah. Oh, that is so good. Everyone that calls God help me gets help. Woo. Amen. Man, I'm grateful for that. See, when we came to the greatest miracle in your life was salvation. You know, when I prayed that sinner's prayer that night, I'll never forget it because the pastor led me in a short sinner's prayer. I didn't even know what, I didn't understand what I was praying at all. But God honored it. God honored it. I just spoke it out. Yeah, I mean, I acknowledge the fact that he said if, the, if you were to die today, would you get, go to heaven? Raise your hand. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge the fact that I wasn't ready for heaven. But I really didn't understand what I was praying, but I prayed, praise God, and God honored it. Hallelujah. And I mean, instantly, I knew something changed in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. That's how good God is. I'm glad he didn't stop and start checking off all the boxes of how messed up my life was. I, I, he would have never made it down to the bottom. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So faith is keeping your focus on the faithfulness of God, especially when your back's up against the wall, especially when everything around you is falling apart, especially when your life is going in the wrong direction. Let me give you the MBT translation. Do you have that up there, Crystal? The MBT. What is the MBT? It's, it's Michael Bang's translation. <laughs> Faith is a spiritual force. I, just, I got this years ago. Faith is a spiritual force inherent where? In, God. in God's word. Given to who? Whosoever. Whosoever believes for the purpose of taking you from the realm of limitations into the realm of no limitations, into the spirit realm where nothing is impossible and where all things are possible with God. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's such a good translation. I'm not boasting. I give God all the glory. I mean, if I, in, any Norwegian that writes that down, you know it's God. Hallelujah. Ah, let's read that one more time, Crystal. One more time. Let's everybody say it. Faith is a spiritual force inherent in God's word given to whosoever believes for the purpose of taking you from the realm of limitations into the realm of no limitations, into the spirit realm where nothing is impossible and where all things are possible with God. Come on, give him praise. That is so good. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Oh, no limitations. 
no limitations. As bound and demon-oppressed I was, I mean, there was no limitations to God's delivering power. Hallelujah. And it's the same today. He, he's such a, a good God. Can I have an amen? amen? Thank you, Lord. The Amplified says it this way. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for. The title deed proves that it belongs to you. Is that right? I mean, if you hold the title deed to a car and, it's, it's, and your name is on there, is it yours? Amen. So he's simply saying, God's given all his promises given to you. That's the title. Faith is the title deed. He said, God, they belong to me. Amen. Salvation belongs to me. Peace belongs to me. Can I have an amen? Provision belongs to me because God promised that. Amen. Now, look the fourth chapter. We're going to end up in the Old Testament, so we better hurry here. Are you getting something out of this this morning? And I don't want to wear you out and just preach and preach, and wear, but I want to share a couple of Old Testament examples of, uh, of uh, faith. Um, but let me read this. Luke 4. Now, this is Jesus after 40 days of temptation. You know, he returned to Galilee and went into the synagogue. And this is what he said. This was, he was establishing his ministry. He was establishing what the will of God was for him to do at that time. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind. And I, and I know it. And I, I, everything he's talking about here is spiritual, even though we know that Jesus healed blind eyes, right? He raised people from the dead. But he did all these things that, because, to prove that this was, the, ultimately, this would be the fulfillment of our, this would be the fulfillment of our complete redemption, that one day, we're going to have bodies that will never grow sick. Bodies that will never die. Amen? Uh, eyes that will never get blurry. Ears that, hello? What would you say? No, I mean, no, I'm serious. That's exactly why he did it. He wanted, to, he wanted to let everybody know that I'm telling you, when this earth life ends, there's going to be a glorious life awaiting for us. Praise God. Amen. This is why he did what he did. So, but watch this. He said... He, went, he brought healing for, uh, the, for, um, for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, to preach to the prisoners, you are set free. I have come to roll up the, I have come to share the message of Jubilee. And that word Jubilee, every 50 years, uh, Israel was, uh, every 50 years, they got to start over. Any, any debt they had, uh, any slaves that you, you had, the slaves were set free. Any debt you had, it was all canceled. Would that be wonderful? That was the year of Jubilee, all right? So he brought the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. So after he read this, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. Now everyone stared at Jesus wondering what, what, uh, what he was about to say. Then he added this. He said, today these scriptures came true in front of you. Now I want to go back and look for real quick in my King James. And I want to read to you a couple more verses there. The Bible says, verse 22. All bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Look at verse 24. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. All right? But I tell you, now watch this, because we'll end with these two examples and we'll be quick about it. But I tell you of a truth, many widows, well, watch, watch this, many widows were in Israel. Many Jewish widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, but when the heaven was shut up for how long? Three years, there was a drought, okay? And um, the Bible says, uh, three years and six months, uh, three and a half years, when great famine was throughout all the land, but none of them was Elijah sent except unto Sarepta, or the city of Sidon, it's actually Zarephath in the Old Testament, unto a widow woman, a woman that was a widow. Amen. Number one. Also, many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet. So he's saying there was not only many widows that were starving, there were many lepers that were suffering in Israel. Jewish widows, Jewish lepers. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. I'm telling you, when he said that, it provoked these guys so bad that they grabbed him, uh, led him out to a cliff to throw him off the cliff. I mean, they were going to get rid of him. I'm sorry, I got a button coming off. Can I do a little sewing while I'm speaking here? 
there's many things you have to do as a pastor. I mean, it's... So you can see here that that was such a frustration to them. He, they were so offended at the fact that he didn't mention any Jewish people that were freed, but only Gentiles. And so this is what I want to talk about in closing today. Uh, there were two Gentiles that didn't have any ties to the Abrahamic covenant, and yet they were the ones, two of them were the ones, because of their faith in God, reaped God's righteousness or right standing with God. Say this out loud. I have right standing with God. Now say it again. Amen. Now give him praise for it. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, not based on performance, but based on faith. All right? So let's talk about the widow woman in 1 Kings 17. I'm going to go there. I'm going to be reading out of the King James and just hang on to the story. It's only 16 verses, and I'll read them. But I want you to capture what the, the setting. Remember, there was a three and a half years of drought. Right now, um, uh, the drought has begun, and, uh, and, um, but it isn't even close to over. <coughs> okay? Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab... As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, why was this happening? This was the harvest of Israel's idolatry against God. They had turned from God, and they had ushered in all of the gods of the nations around them. And God said, I'm gonna, I'm going, you're going to now reap the harvest. You're going to reap the devastating harvest, which, listen, which will be a reflection of your spirit. This, the spiritual drought that's in your lives. Okay? This is what he's talking about. So let's go on. So, so the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came at that very moment unto the prophet saying, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook of Carith, or Carith that is before Jordan or the Jordan River. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, you'd all agree that if he went to win there, the provision wouldn't have been where he was at. He got a word from God, and he obeyed God. Now, listen to me. There are specific things that God will tell you to do. And if you will follow through with your faith and obedience, my, the provision will be there. Did you know there's going to be people that make millions of dollars during this economic strain? There's people going to make millions of dollars. You might as well be one of them. There's people that are going to, uh, uh, how many watch the shark, shark Tank? We enjoy that show because of the creativity of people. Well, bless God, God has creative ideas for you. I've always thought this. Why don't they create why don't they put a button about right there so that this don't always go like this? Amen. Witty invention. Go ahead and create it. I don't know. There's provision out there for you. God has it. Seek him, and he will show you. Can I have an amen? That's true. Let's go on. Let's finish this. So the Bible says, so he went and did, he went and did, he went and did, he went and did, according to the word of the Lord. He trusted God, believed the word, and, and stepped out by faith, and it was so. He went and dwelt by the brook uh, Carith and, uh, uh, before Jordan, and the, and the ravens brought him bread and fish in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. I mean, think about that. The birds picked up roadkill and brought them to the man of God. Now, come on, that's, that's awesome when everybody around you is dying. And I'm sure it was fresh roadkill. It wasn't four days old. And the Bible says, and they brought him, just as God said, bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass. Say, it came to pass. It came to pass. After a while, things changed. The Bible says that because there had been no rain in the land, the brook dried up. Well, aren't you glad that God had another plan for the man of God? I mean, even if you lost your job, you know, God has another job for you. Amen. I mean, he, he does. As I, drive, I does grieve my heart. It really saddens my heart 
when I drive down Minnesota Avenue or 41st Street, and I see all these businesses closed. That is a product of the wrong government in office. I'm just telling you. This is what happens. People, precious people who saved up money, they're working hard just to have a business of their own, work by themselves, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, you, you get governing factors that absolutely attack everything that has to do with middle-class prosperity, and then you end up with this, and that saddens my heart, but, but here's the deal. You got to get back in faith with God, and God will have another, uh, another raven to feed you. Can I have an amen? Another brook to water you with. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says, uh, and the word of the Lord came, verse 8, and said unto Elijah, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. The word Zarephath means a place of refinement. The place of refinement. And, and uh, which belongs to Zidon and, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Well, again, if the prophet wouldn't have been there, provision wouldn't have been there, wherever he was. But he got there. The Bible says he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks, and he called her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going, now there was hardly any water, but she respected and honored the man of God, and while she's going to get a little water, he says this, could you also bring me a, 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 a morsel of bread in thine hand? And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth. So obviously, this was a woman. This is a Gentile woman. She has no ties to the Abrahamic covenant. But obviously, she had heard about this prophet of Israel and obviously said, hey, I acknowledge this God of Israel. And as long and she said, as, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. This was not a negative confession. This was a crisis. People were dying all around them. She's probably, uh, I mean, barely strong enough to go gather the two sticks, to toke up a little fire, to take the little tiny morsel of, 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 of food she had to give to her son. I'm telling you right now, uh, it, takes a, it takes a lot of faith to uh, give something to the man of God that should go to your son. But she didn't realize that she was planting seed into her future. It's just a powerful story. Let's go on. And the Bible says, Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do. Fear not, go and do. As thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and thy son. Doesn't even make sense. What do you mean make a little cake for me? After you eat that, there's nothing going to be for me and my son. See, you cannot, you cannot stop to reason uh, things out when it comes to God's promises. You just have to take them by faith because God is bigger than anything that you'll ever face in your life. For right. thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Watch this. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke unto Elijah. That cruise of oil continued to pour for another two years. Is that supernatural provision or what? Only because one widow, not even a Jew, but a, a, a Gentile, dared believe God and step out by faith and give what was the most important thing in her life at that time was what should have went to her son. She gave into the man of God and divine provision came. One more story real quick. and This will go fast. Second Kings, the fifth chapter. Now, now remember... Jesus talked about this woman and talked about Naaman to the Jews that day. This woman, Gentile, Naaman, Gentile. What does that mean? That, that, that simply meant anybody could reap the blessings of God in their lives. Anybody, whether it's Jew or Gentile. Amen? Whether it's bondage or free. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Listen to me. God 
will respond to the cry of a sinner as quick as he'll respond to the cry of a saint. Why? Because God loves people. Let's read this real quick. The king of Aram. This was Israel's, actually, this was Israel's, uh, one of Israel's greatest enemies. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. That's a kind of a series. It wasn't a headache. It was leprosy. At this time, uh, uh, um, Armin raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl had, uh, from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out, now watch this, carrying as gifts 700 pounds of silver. I... <laughs> I uh, I, put, I got on the computer to multiply what that value of that today would mean. 750 pounds of silver equals today's value $336,000. Watch this. And 150 pounds of gold. That's 2,400 ounces. $4,320,000 in today's. And then the Bible says... I love this. And, uh, and 10 sets of clothing. Probably got him at Neiman Marcus or Marcus Neiman or whatever it is. <laughs> I, what's my point? My point is this. You can't pay for a miracle. But obviously he was expecting something from the man of God to give that kind of money as a blessing to him. <laughs> Amen. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. <laughs> Elijah, <laughs> Elijah doesn't even go out there, he just sends a servant. Let's go tell him to wash seven times in the river. <laughs> and the Bible says that. Uh, Naaman became angry. Oh, he says, go wash yourself seven times the river, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Me. <laughs> Everybody knows me. <laughs> he said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the uh, Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why should I, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Man, he was ticked. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River. <laughs> And dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. <laughs> Even in the midst of a, of a rotten attitude. <laughs> One, I can't stand this. Two, what is this about? Three, I can't believe this. Four. <laughs> I just, why did it happen? Because the prophet of God declared it. And the prophet of God got that from God himself. Is that awesome? So just wanted to show you this, that both of these individuals stepped into right standing with God and with their, and with their faith they received. They received something from God. They received from God. Right standing with God. Say I have right standing with God. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We make it hard. Uh, because, and I don't know, maybe you don't have this, maybe you've never had this problem. But see, as a pastor, though I don't have anything uh, over you, 
as far as your journey of faith and mine, they're the same. It's just that I'm, we're, we're held at a higher standard. And sometimes the people put you at that higher standard than what you're able to walk in. And so they get disappointed because they wanted Jesus on the platform. If you had Jesus on the platform, I wouldn't be up here. But, but my, point, my, my point in bringing that up is that, again, if, if you get the, in this trap that the only way God will answer your prayer is by performance. If I can just get things right, then you'll answer my prayer. You'll never have a prayer answered because you'll never attain to that. You have to just simply, very reverently and humbly come to God. Yes, with reverence. Yes, with self-examination. Amen. Yes, with self-judgment. With humility. And receive what rightfully belongs to you. Because when you do that, you step into his righteousness. And you're able to then at that access his blessing through your faith. Do you understand me? So musicians come. I want to pray for you today. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want you young kids to capture this. Because for years I didn't understand this. For years I really believed that it was performance-based. If I can just do everything just about right, then I will have God's favor. And you have his favor because of Jesus. Yes, you can mess things up by making wrong choices. Of course you can. The Bible says if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap what? Thank you. Corruption. But if you sow to the spirit or you sow to the the attributes of the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. You're going to reap the peace of God, the strength of God, the guidance of God, the favor of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.